0: New journeys, new processes. My youngest daughter, my youngest child, just graduated Friday from high school. Oh my goodness. You know, it, it's, it's working through all that, so there's, there's so many, there's emotions. Of course, I gave her a hard time. Yeah, I felt like at one point we were taking pictures over here, graduation is right here, is TLCA, and, and uh, we're taking pictures, and I said, you trying to make me cry? And, uh, and, and giving her a hard time, and, and oh man, the, the things that we go through, you know, although you know, I, I gotta say, as a father, you know, once she moves out, I'm like, man, you mean I get my favorite seat back? I don't have to worry about my snacks being gone when I go to get that snack. Like, like, it, like I don't know. Like, I mean, sure, I'm sad, but don't get me wrong. There's a part of me that's a little excited too. You know, um, you know, and when we go through these 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 aspects of of what we're experiencing, you know, and it's not, it's not the first graduation I've ever experienced. I graduated once too. I had another daughter that graduated, but yet we find ourselves in these positions in these places where we tend to forget things. We tend to forget, even even for her, I believe that there's an aspect of going through graduation. Maybe maybe you're in here and you've just graduated high school or college or maybe a level of, of your employment or, or whatever that might be, and, and yet we, we tend to forget, but like you know, I just graduated the grade before, and, and the thing before, and, and we find ourselves in the position of the anxiety, and the stress, and the worry, and, and all those things, and we can tend to forget stuff. And, um, and this is kind of where I'm at here for Mark chapter 8. We're going to spend today in Mark chapter 8, if you have your Bible and you want to tap your way to Mark chapter 8, and I'll be in the New Living Translation and we see here in Mark chapter in the beginning, I'll just kind of recap a little bit of. of we, we start with the Jesus, one of his feedings of the 4,000 people. And he gets in the boat after feeding the people and sending them on their way. They get in the boat and they cross the lake, and then they encounter the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, well, they demand a miracle. You must prove who you are. We don't, we don't request, we don't ask, we don't bring our need to you, we demand. For you to prove to us who you are. Jesus, he just gets back in the boat. As <laughs> I see you, He gets back, goes back across the lake again, and, and he leaves again. And then in Mark chapter 8, verse 14, we find them in the boat. It says, but the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They forgot to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat's. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, so interesting. Jesus is giving a lesson. He's trying to teach them something. He's trying to show them something. Let me open your eyes. Here's a revelation of what I need you to be aware of. And it says, at this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Like, it's like going around the mountain, They forgot bread. Jesus is trying to teach them. They're arguing about not having any bread. You ever found yourself in that position? Like like how many times do we as Christians, we miss the lesson and the thing that God's trying to do in our lives because we're too busy arguing. We're too busy bickering. We're too busy focused on what we don't have instead of what we do have that we're unable to see what God is trying to give us and do in us in that very moment. And this is what we see in the disciples. They're just like me. Of course, social media let me just make my social media comment because that doesn't help us at all right you know fighting online god's trying to do something how many lessons do we miss to be fighting over bread i as a youth pastor for many years i remember like when we do communion and I do, you know, we come to the table and I do the good communion and like, I'd have to just like hope, like don't fight over the bread before service or during service. Cause I do the good Hawaiian bread and the real Welch's grape juice, like the good stuff for communion. And then like, but sure enough at the end of service, like at the end of service, they're like coming up to me and running and like, Hey, can, can I eat the leftover bread? You know, Hey, is after service is okay. Like we moved past the moment is after service and they just, they all wanted to fight over the bread and no bread was left absolutely at the end of those services, just like the disciples. Teenagers, back in the scripture, Jesus, Jesus knew what they were saying. He said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand? Even yet, even yet, are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? I love Jesus, and I believe these are rhetorical questions that he asks, but yet the disciples answer them anyway. You ever encountered that? 're like, no, 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 no. Like, I wasn't actually looking for you to answer. Like, I was just trying to make a point with my question. I feel like Jesus is just like us. He's in, the, he's in that boat with the disciples. And he says, when I fed the 5,000 with the five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? Twelve, they said. He's, Jesus, just like this. No, that's not what I, I didn't need you to actually answer. I'm just trying to make a point that that there was abundance. There was more than enough. But he goes on, and then when I fed the 4,000, the seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet? He asked them. And the next verse, they had the perfect answer, and they said everything that Jesus was looking for, saying, that's not actually true. The next verse has nothing to do with the question. I wonder, the disciples, I don't think they did understand just yet. We're not given an answer. We're not given a response to this open-ended question of what you don't understand, what they don't understand. I don't think they did. This is the part of the story that leaves us hanging. What was their response? What was their conversation? Mark, what, you left us hanging here on a cliffhanger, and we don't know what's next. What is this? How often am I still in these same positions? No, I, I, I don't understand what's next. I, I need to see it. But, but yet, but, but the Bible sometimes, like, you left me hanging here. I, I need the next thing. I need the next answer. I need the next definitive step that I need to take in this journey. And I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I love when we're left hanging like this, though. These moments of uncertainty, these moments of just no answers of, of God, what are you doing here? What is, the, what is the answer? What is the thing to do? And we're left with no conclusion, no response, no what's next. But I realize that it's, it's less important about what they did next compared to what I do Next. The point is not how they responded to Jesus, the point is how I responded to Jesus, how you responded to Jesus, how we, as the church, respond to Jesus. Can I get an amen? Think they asked Jesus? Like, okay, I mean, what should they do? They're, they're, they're out of bread. They're arguing about be, being out of bread. Jesus just reminded them, hey, um, you remember these couple times here where uh, all these people came hungry, like, and you, you tried to send them to the restaurants, um, and, uh, and I told you, no, like, you need to feed them, not not to the restaurants, and, and you, you didn't know what to do about that, and yet you brought me some, uh, well, you stole the boys lunch, and you brought me that, and, and I multiplied it, and, and I fed all the people, and, and, like, you remember how I did that? And you remember how I did that again, and, and like a second time, and, and we fed them again? Like like, how many loaves you got one loaf? why aren 't you bringing it to me? you got, you, got, you got something, but yet you're not bringing it to me. How did you forget? Do you still not understand yet who I am? And you may think you have nothing, but I guarantee you, the scripture tells us you have something. And, and, and Jesus is standing there. I can only imagine the, 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 what he 's experiencing. In this moment, but how often do I find myself in a position that that, that I'm not like, Jesus, I've seen you do those miracles. I've seen you do that thing. And yet I'm not coming to you again. I've seen you heal people in my family. I've seen you do miracles and make tumors disappear, but I'm not coming to you again. I've seen you provide finances in that church member's life, and I find myself in need, and I'm not coming to you again because I'm so focused on what I don't have instead of what I do have. I'm so focused on the fact that it's hard to breathe even though there's all this oxygen around me. And all I can think about is the grasping for air. The issue wasn't that Jesus wasn't moving in the direction of the miracle, but that the disciples weren't moving in the direction of Jesus. And there should have been a moment here of the disciples going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, do it again. Jesus, do it again. What the disciples were missing wasn't bread. It was a do-it-again attitude. It was a do-it-again moment. Asking Jesus... Do it again, but I, I, I find myself in the same struggle. Have you been here? Is there a miracle, something that you're needing in your life? You've seen God move in such amazing ways. Maybe he even moved in your life, and, and, and not just during worship, but, but even, even in other times where you've spent time with God and you've experienced God move, and do amazing things, and you found yourself around the mountain, What is your do-it-again moment that you're saying, I need the courage right now. I need the determination to step out in faith, to do this thing, to, to, to do the next thing, whatever that is. I've had some people talking to me about moving and, and, and the church and, and, and what's going to happen and how are you going to do this. And, and like, I'm, I'm finding myself, as, I, as I'm encouraging myself through this message, finding myself, of like, you know what? This is a do-it-again moment because I know who my God is. So it's a do-it-again moment. I know who my Jesus is. This is just a do-it-again moment. This is just another opportunity for me to bring to God what I have and say, God, this is beyond me and my ability. I need you to move. I need you to multiply. I need you to bless. I need you to do it again. And I believe he's just waiting. He's like, come on. Just tell me. Just tell me. Just come to me. Just say, do it again. Just come to me and say, do it again. You know who I am. Just tell me to do it again. I know what I can do, but I need you to know what I can do. We need you to know who God is. Not just in my life, not just in Pastor Walt's life, but in your life. We pick back up in Mark chapter eight, verse 22. We have another story here. When they arrived in Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. And they begged him to touch the man and heal him. We've we've seen demanding. We've seen absence. We've seen now begging. We're seeing these different aspects of miracles that are needed. And they begged Jesus to touch the man and heal him. Jesus, he took the blind man by the hands and led him out of the village. And spitting on the man's eyes, I said the optometrist a couple weeks ago. I'm really glad he didn't spit on me. I won't, I won't complain about the new shield in the way, like, Oof, like, yeah. And he spits on his eyes. He laid hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? And the man he looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. This is just like the optometrist. Which is better? One or two? A or B? Like, which is better? I, I like I can't tell. I might as well guess. Like they're both the same. I don't know. And then I felt like it was like the opposite of Jesus, because the, the optometrist then said, like, Well, you're over 40 now, so you're about on the edge of needing readers. Bifocals. Get behind me, Satan. I can see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. This is interesting. Jesus laid hands on me. Even like, come on, like, Jesus, you spit on me, Jesus. Couldn't you heal me the first time? Like, 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 it couldn't be a one and done. Like, I got you spit on me. Like, I would just kind of like hope, you know. But like, but we had this moment where we're. He's not healed completely. I can see men, but I can see men like trees. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, say again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. And Jesus sent him away, saying, Don't go back into the village on your way home. But he placed his hands, and his eyes were opened, he could see completely. Well, what kind of healing was this that we experienced with Jesus? I mean, there, there's other theories out there or multiple theories out there. And like one of them being like, oh, this is just a completely physical heal- healing that Jesus went through twice. And what I like about this concept is, I mean, if he could see men like trees, we, we must believe that he probably had vision at one time in his life. There was a point in his life where he was like the disciples where they had bread and didn't have bread. He had vision and was in a place of no vision again because he could understand what a man should look like and he could understand what a tree should look like. And, and he makes this recognition. Sometimes in our lives, some, you know, some of the practical, uh, greatest miracles we need in our lives are just practical miracles. They're, they're, they're just these, these, like it just boils down to some real common sense, I think just real basic. This is just a physical aspect of what, of what he's going through. You know, during worship, I, I felt something on my heart in, in, in this moment before I get it to the other ideas of what's happening here. And I think sometimes that we're believing for such a practical miracle in our lives, or let me say right now, you're believing for God to move in someone's life in, in, in your life, for, to, for God to move in someone that you know, they're in your realm. They're a family member, they're a work mem- a, a co-worker, they're someone you interact with on a regular basis at the convenience store or wherever that is, that there's someone that God has placed on your heart. Maybe you've already been praying for him, you've been believing for him, maybe right now you're thinking and God's enlightening your mind right now to the moment of like, who is this person? And it's not just a person that's lost, although it might be someone who's lost. It might be a person who's addicted, and it might be someone who's fine. It might be someone who's just down and out, and it might be someone who's up and in. It might be someone outside these four walls, and it might be someone inside these four walls. And one of the things I realize in this two-part miracle that we experience is we so often find ourselves believing for miracles in someone else's life, and the point is not even how sick they are or how sick they don't seem to be but there's someone that God has placed on our hearts. And let me tell you right now, you are part one of that miracle. You yourself are a miracle of God, and God has placed someone on your heart to believe for. And not to go and be focused on what you don't have, not to go and be focused on arguing and bickering, but to go and to be Jesus, sharing the love of God, inviting them to church, or blessing them, giving them bread, or just loving them and accepting, accepting them, even in y'all's differences, and going to them, and you're part one of that miracle. Who has God placed on your heart? Who are you thinking of right now? And be grateful, you don't have to go and spit on their eyes. And if you do, you better point to some scripture and hope they understand. And some say this healing is, oh, it's a spiritual healing. You see, you see, Jesus in this moment, even though we don't see him heal, he heals other blind people, but not in this way, and not in a two-step process, and, 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 but this is a spiritual healing, that Jesus is healing, uh, there's a spirituality that, that's being restored in this moment, that he would see men like trees, and trees are a representative of something that God is doing, and then the second part was this physical healing to line up with this spiritual healing, Men like trees, oh, I'm looking for the fruit that's being produced by trees to know what kind of tree it is. I see men like trees. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a spiritual and then a physical, a practical. You know, sometimes do it again is repeating an act to get the same results again. Like the bread. And sometimes, do it again, is repeating an act to get the full results that you had not received yet. God moved and you experienced a miracle in your life that got you past this moment. You've got the finances for this moment, but you're still struggling beyond that. You experienced some healing in this moment, but you're still struggling for a full healing. You felt that that, that relationship restored and repaired in a moment, but you're not quite there yet. You, you there was a leap of faith, but there was still the journey that still had to go on before you. There was believing for Jesus to move in this, this one aspect, but yet you still know there are so many more aspects. You, you found yourself radically changed in one way, but yet there's still, you know, you know your hang-ups that you still got to overcome in battle. You know, you gave your life and you on one of these Sundays at this church or another church, maybe even when you were a child, and you prayed the prayer of salvation and gave your life to Jesus, and you've looked back even when you've not lived for Him, and you've seen God at work in hindsight and amazing things that He's done, but yet you still feel you have so far to go. You're a Christian and you're saved, but you're still surprised that you're even here on a Sunday morning. I remember this moment when I felt like that. I remember I gave my life to Jesus as a kid, and, and my dad, Pastor Walt Landers, he got saved when I was just a, a, a super young child, and I remember as a, as, a, as a child giving my life to Jesus and, and doing that kind of thing, and, and all my ways of just living and surviving and, and coping with the world and, and just living life and, and just trying to take care of me. And I remember this one moment I was on an event that I've mentioned before, I walked to Emmaus and I was on this event and there was a moment there in one night of ministry where God moved in such a way on my life that when I left that event, people knew that I was different. You know, I thought I was free before that moment and God wanted to say, you thought what? Let me show you what freedom really looks like, feels like. Let me, let me show you who I really am and all the love that I can pour out in your life. And there was a moment in that, in that event when the, the hardness of my heart was broken down like the walls. It came down. But I thought I had passed like the song over and over. Shouldn't they have fallen yet? And I found myself thinking that I was good. And all of a sudden I experienced God in a whole nother way at a whole new level. It's like, it's like this two-part miracle. Have you seen God move in your life in that way? You prayed the prayer of salvation and you know that something changed and there was a radical transformation that took place in your life, but yet you are still struggling. And then all of a sudden you got to a point where God moved again, and God moved again, and God moved again. And now I can I tell you that maybe if you're in that moment that you haven't seen the again yet, say do it again. Say do it again. If you're you're in need here this morning and you're in a place of desperation, a place of just hunger or or just whatever that is, and you're saying, I've come so far, but I know I'm not there yet. There's still more steps on this journey. One step doesn't make a path. It's walking it over and over and over. It's one foot in front of the other again and again and again. And the same is in our Christian walk. Most of us, we are like this blind man who's experiencing a two-part miracle. Do it again. And this, man, to know what God has done in my life and what he continues to do in my life, this is the hope that I have for the church. And not just our church, but the capital C church. God, he doesn't just move one time. He's a God who wants to move over and over and over. Even in our mistakes, he'll show us again. Even in our doubts, he'll show us again. Even in the midst of Peter denying Jesus and Jesus shows up to do it again, say again. Let's do it again moments. I don't know about you, but it's real hard sometimes to to see tomorrow when today is still men as trees. It's real hard to see my destination, if men are as trees, if my vision is still blurry. And so often our, our lenses are dirty from the mistakes and the struggles of yesterday to see tomorrow. And it's hard to see what you can have when when you, all you think you do have is just one loaf. Just, just one loaf. As I look at this story, I I, like—I wonder, like Mark, were you just being, were were you—you taking opportunity in this writing here, that you would have the disciples say, "Just one loaf." Uh, Is this literal or is this representative of something? Because I just wonder in this moment if they even had one loaf. Now now I'm taking some liberty here and just sharing an idea. Because they, they say they just have one loaf. And they fail to even realize in this moment who they're in the boat with. I mean, we obviously see that. You're in the boat with Jesus. Jesus Christ, who even tells us, which we see in hindsight, so we got a little bit of a benefit as we look back, who says, I am the bread of life. They did not even realize that the just one loaf that they were really in, in, the, in the boat with, the just one loaf they should have been focusing on, wasn't a physical bread that they might or might not have had. It was the bread of life, Jesus Christ, who was in the boat with them. And what I, what I take in courage with this is, the, same as, is the, the situation is just the same with each one of us. Regardless of the circumstances and situations and doubts and anxieties that we are facing right now, We have just one loaf. But we say that with a positive twist on just one loaf. Because the just one loaf we have is all that we need. And the disciples are in this boat, just one loaf. In John chapter 6 verse 35 is where Jesus gives us this insight. He says, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Say again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, but you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. What do we walk by? Faith, not by sights. However, those who the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. What is the need in your life? What is the miracle you're needing? The breakthrough that you're needing? Maybe it's your life or your friend's life or your parent's life or your kid's life. Trust me, I'm believing for a kid. She's graduated. They're both graduated. Moving on. We might be empty nesters soon. I know that, that there's, some, there's some benefits that I don't have to worry about. The light's always being left on and, and, and whatever in and the door. Is the door locked? But, but, but there's still these moments of like unknown moving forward. But Jesus says, I will never reject them. What is your need this morning? What is your miracle this morning? What is your breakthrough this morning? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am in the boat with you. It doesn't matter the storms and the waves that are crashing on the boat. It doesn't matter what the horizon looks like beyond the edge of your reach. Whether you can see it or not, I am the bread of life, and I am in the boat with you. Do you recognize today that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is with you and for you? He will never leave you, he will never forsake you. And the same miracle that he has done for other people is the same miracle that he wants to do for you. The same faith that he has built up in other people is the same faith that he will draw you to. The same God, the same God that I experienced doing miracles in other nations and countries when I traveled with Global Ventures And see deaf ears open and blind eyes seeing is the same God in this space right here and right now. And I remember when I had to move into the space of saying, God, I've experienced your miracles over there. But I believe you'll do it again here. I've seen your miracles in other people's life. And I believe you'll do it again here. I've heard the reports of those other people and the breakthroughs that they experienced, and I believe you'll do it again here. I know of revival that's broken out in other churches and moves of God that are unexplainable but are tangible beyond comprehension. And I believe, God, you'll do it again here. God, I've seen you do radical things in other communities and cities. And I believe you'll do it again here. God, I believe And I'm asking, maybe even begging, that you'll do it again here. If you just close your eyes for a moment and just focus on God, what is it you're believing for? What is it you're needing? Who's the person? What's the situation? What is the miracle? And in your mind, take whatever it is, if you can focus. Imagine yourself right now with Jesus. And just tell him, say do it again. Do it again, God. You are a do it again, God. And we come boldly before you right now, you are so gracious. To receive your mercy and to find grace as Hebrews four instructs us. And God, if our do it again moments is an action step that I need to take, to care for a person, to bless a person, to love a person, to accept a person. Then may you give us the courage and the strength. Maybe it's to do a thing that you, we believe you have called us to do, but it seems scary, uncertain. Guide our steps, God. We lift up this miracle to you. We lift up this healing to you. We lift up blind eyes and deaf ears and cancers and doctor's reports. We lift them up to you, God. We open our hands up towards you to release whatever we might be holding on to, to say, God, it's not ours. It is yours. God, it is not our anxiety. It's yours to take from us. Say, God, I can't do this on my own. This do-it-again moment is for me to believe in you, to stand in faith with you. We bring whatever amount of faith that we have, knowing that you recognize it in this moment, to say, you see it, God. Give us more, God. Give us hope, God. Do it again, God. What are you waiting for, church? What are you waiting for? God, we thank you that you are a do it again, God. Will you stand with me right now? I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And this may be a prayer of salvation, even even like I just shared. Those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. There is no stipulation on you getting it right in your life before getting it right before God. There's no stipulation that you have to get yourself free of addiction before giving yourself to God. There's no stipulation here of any kind. The point is not what you could or couldn't do other than bring yourself to Jesus to allow him to do what he can do. Your mistakes, your past, your failures, your anxieties, your worries. You come before God and he says, I will never reject you, never. Maybe you've walked with God and you've walked away from God and you're in this moment of doubt and who you are and let me tell you, he says right here, I will never reject you. The plan and the purpose that i placed in your life before you made mistakes is still my plan for you. It's about his purpose in your life. Who he is in your life. Maybe you've prayed the prayer of salvation you've experienced miracle and yet you need the second part or the third part or the fourth part of your miracle to say, God, I'm still believing for what you're doing right here and right now. I want to lead you in this prayer. If you'll repeat after me. And if you feel everything's good and, and you're just standing in the gap for those around you and lead them in this prayer with me. And everybody to the, together right now say, Dear God, thank you for Jesus, the bread of life, who provides for me and multiplies in my life. Thank you for his sacrifice, for his healing, his resurrection power to move in my life. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for healing. Thank you for provision. Thank you for who you are and who you make me to be. Renew my mind. Fill me with your love. Empower me with the Holy Spirit that I may live for you and give you my life. For me, for my family, for my community, and for strangers that you have yet to show me so far. I love you. Thank you for loving me. In the name of Jesus. And if you're with me this morning, give God a good amen, amen. Worship him, praise him. Tell him right now, say, do it again, God. Do it again, God. Do it again, God.